This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Have been instances where people have been placed in a, a very precarious position. This is why we call it precarious work. And to wit, uh, there was a, a hospital cleaner at the ha- uh, the hospital up in Brampton uh, who was the first healthcare worker to die from COVID in Ontario. And we found out that uh, there was a long-term care worker as well, I guess, in the city's east end in Scarborough, who likewise passed today. Joining me on the line right now, Michael Hurley, president of QP Ontario's Council of Hospital Unions. Michael, good to have you with us again. Good afternoon. Thank you very much, Uh, Sean. As I understand it, obviously, uh, today you had a province-wide minute of silence at 11 o'clock reflecting on this tragedy uh, where a member, one of your members, passed. What happened here? Can you just explain? Was it a, a case of uh, inadequate protection, or uh, was it anything that could have maybe been obviated or, uh, you know, somehow protected against? Well, I'm sure both of these deaths will be investigated. I mean, public health authorities were quick to point out with the Brampton uh, issue that they thought it hadn't been contracted at the at the hospital. Um, but the the fact is, unfortunately, that. As of today, 1,068 Ontario healthcare workers have uh, contracted COVID. It's uh, it's about 11% of all of Ontario's cases, and about four times the rate in the general population. So I think it's safe to assume that um, you know uh, the kind of uh, illnesses we're seeing are related to to people's work environment, for sure. That 11% number, it hit me the other day. I mean, it's a re- an arresting stat uh, that these people are obviously placed in a difficult situation. I know the last time we spoke, I brought up the issue of burnout or morale. Uh, now here we are a week and change later. Uh, how are people holding up? Well, I mean, things are things are actually increasingly uh, challenging for 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 people. Uh, I mean, I think uh, there was a lot of participation in the in the moment of mourning and recognition for the people who died, the people uh, who have COVID, uh, the people we care for today, because uh, you know uh, people people need to uh, step back for a second from the challenge of. Uh, nursing and caring in this environment without the adequate protection, uh, a lot of stress related to that, and just you know, uh, and just you know, take a moment to try to connect spiritually and and um, you know, uh, think about how we can move forward more, much more effectively. So, uh, yeah, this is a very challenging time. I think our our polling of our members shows. 81% of people uh, who are working in healthcare are feeling stressed, anxious, depressed, have insomnia, um, and uh, you know this is primarily related to their sense of vulnerability, really, at work. Have anybody actually uh, cited uh, health issues or uh, you know mental distress, mental health issues, and uh, taken a leave? Well, I'm sure there are, but I mean, the, the, the wonderful story here is that despite the fact that people, you know, have, have not been given uh, adequate protections in dealing with this virus, you know, a uh, huge, huge majority of people are, uh, are you know, uh, soldiering on here. And, uh, 
you know, they they should be supported. They should be provided with uh, with the kind of protective equipment that would allow them to to function safely. As to you know, how many? I'm sure there are people who for whom for whom stress and anxiety have taken a toll. But I mean, the great the great majority of people are highly dedicated, compassionate, and skilled, and they're working through this crisis, and they're they're trying to do the best job that they can. You know. Is PPE still an issue? We were told that uh, so much of it had been put into the pipeline, you know, uh, tens of thousands of masks and uh, gowns, gloves, even uh, footwear or foot covering. What's the issue with PPE? Well, I mean, to put it in perspective, Ontario would need about 1.5 million N95 respirators, which is what's recommended for dealing with a virus like this. Uh, And Ontario, until about five weeks ago, would have recommended that you not come in contact with a virus like this unless you had the protections. But there is a supply problem and the equipment is not available. And uh, in fact, the shortages are are growing more acute. So if you went into any long-term care facility, hospital, home care environment, and talk to the to the workers there, you would find that uh, they don't, uh, generally speaking, have access to uh, to this equipment. And as a result, they feel they feel um, you know uh, very much at risk. These numbers that people come up with, like 65 million masks coming from the federal government, this is a bit of this is magical thinking. These are these are supplies that never seem to actually arrive um, at the workplace. Uh, so. You know, uh, that's why we're hoping that the province can uh, step in and order industry in Ontario to make this equipment. We've got the know-how. We've got the capacity. We have the industrial, uh, you know, expertise with tool and die makers and engineers. We can, we could certainly start making masks, as the Chinese have done, to solve the problem ourselves. It's interesting you say that yet again. I would have thought uh, that might have been remediated, you know, addressed, because even today, Justin Trudeau was saying Bell Canada's donated 1.5 million N- N95 masks, and you're saying that's really just a tip of the iceberg. That's not going to do it. Well, all I can tell you is that in pretty much every facility, people are, you know, first of all, like in in China, they just released a study last week that that found that, uh, you know, the virus is lingering in the air up to four meters away from patients for hours and and travels into the air ducts and into doctors' offices. So it is actually, uh, the, the point of this study is it's airborne. And for airborne viruses, you need an N95 respirator. And if you ask, you know, any any nurse, registered practical nurse, personal support worker, many doctors, you know, uh, do you have access to this equipment? They would they would tell you that no, that's being reserved uh, for some very specialized procedures only. So most people are working in an environment where they don't have the protection, and that's why you've got, um, you know, uh, an infection rate of, of 11 percent of all of all cases. Whereas in China, uh, it's three percent for healthcare workers because they take the additional steps. So, I mean, this equipment is urgently needed, but, but uh, you know, it is not present in many workplaces and available to the workforce at the moment. Michael Hurley is with us, president of CUPE Ontario Council of Hospital Unions. So, uh, Michael, when it comes to the uh, shortage of certain things, like ventilators, for example, and given that you cover the entire province, but we're here in Toronto now, there may be different areas that uh, are not as uh, desperate for uh, different material, PPE and things like ventilators. In For case by uh, example, in the States, there are certain hospitals that are reportedly more or less vacant because uh, non-emergency surgeries have been cancelled. And if they've got a uh, low number of COVID cases, 
Many of the hospitals say uh, they're really dormant. Uh, nothing's going on. Do we have any of that happening in certain precincts in this province? Yes, we do actually have a fair bit of capacity. I mean, the hospitals have been emptying out, as you know, their uh, alternate level of care patients. They call them into uh, into other facilities, although that's been that's been stopped to some extent. But hospitals have you know twenty, thirty, forty percent of capacity uh, waiting for a surge to come. So there's a there's a lot of capability within within the Ontario hospital system, and you know because of that, it's kind of hard to understand why we would not be taking these nursing home long-term care uh, residents who are ill with COVID and moving them into hospital where we could give them more attention and care. You know, there, there certainly is the capacity to deal with to deal with, uh, with COVID in the, in the hospitals at the moment, for sure. Every, everywhere, I think, has got, has got capacity. In other words, do you think there's some uh, sense to redeploying uh, resources as well as personnel. And uh, when you're talking about people out of long-term care facilities, arguably take somebody from a Toronto facility, so they're isolated and there's more concentrated care for that one individual in a hospital in, let's say, I don't know, a really or Gravenhurst. Well, I mean, there would be, you know, if you, you know, a, hosp- a long-term care resident in Scarborough uh, could, could I think, find a bed in Scarborough, Ajax, Pickering, uh, Oshawa, no, no problem at the moment. I don't think, I don't think that uh, people would have to travel great distances. And of course, if they were in hospital, they would have. Oh, many people, of course, don't want to be resuscitated or extraordinary measures. But there's lots hospitals can do in terms of pain relief, in terms of, uh, you know, medical specialties, respiratory technologists, and, uh, you know, a much higher um, complement of nursing staff and, you know, much more thorough uh, cleaning and uh, infection control, you know, uh, so it, it's, it's hard for me to understand why we would be focusing on providing care in the long-term care facilities when uh, they're in such outbreak, when what's happening in other countries which are more successful perhaps than we are, like West Germany, is you take the people out and you segregate them and you leave people there who don't have the, the virus because it's safer for them as well. Well, and finally then, what is the answer? Why aren't we doing that? Well, I don't think that we're actually, uh, you know, uh, processing this as uh, as though we were fighting uh, a war, which is what it's like, uh, really. Uh, I mean, we're trying to we're trying to battle down a, a, a highly contagious virus, which uh, which you know is uh, is chomping through healthcare personnel and chomping through uh, you know um, many resources. Uh, we're not we're not uh, testing enough people. We're not testing everybody in long-term care. We're, we, we we're not testing the staff. We're not testing the residents or in the hospitals, even though those people are are uh, in a weakened physical state and in no condition to to withstand covid we're not we're not doing enough of that we tolerate a very very low level of testing and as a result we're not uh, we're not really uh, containing the virus as successfully as others are we're not ordering industry to step up the way the chinese did we're not doing the testing west germany is doing we're not you know providing the equipment that uh, that china has provided to its healthcare personnel so all of these things need a bit of a push uh, i would say yeah uh, the premier did mention that uh, we have 
up the uh, number of tests in the last 24 hours. It's up to 9,000 uh, as of today, but he'd like to see it to 14,000. That's still an inadequate to your mind? Well, I mean, there's 13 million people or so in Ontario, and, and, and you know, we, we're, we were told that we would take the testing to the maximum, which was 13,000, I think, over a week ago, right? We're, we're, as of a couple of days ago, still testing 7,000 people, and yet you've got these outbreaks raging in long-term care as an example, right? You would think that we would be testing everybody there. We would re- be removing the people who are who are acutely ill, we'd be taking them to hospital, we'd be focusing on the others and making sure that they're that they're protected. You, you know, you, you'd think we'd be targeting the, the most vulnerable populations and trying to trying to protect them through aggressive testing, but we're not we're not doing that because our testing levels are so low and uh, consequently do we really know i would say we don't uh the exact level of um of prevalence of this virus in ontario society i, I don't think we actually have a handle on it yeah uh many of us agree that's the key you got to have universal testing uh so it can unlock a lot of doors and uh you know it's a revelation as to who's what and uh, where their status is i appreciate you joining us uh, i mean next time hopefully it's uh with better circumstances that we can relate michael uh good to get an update i hope so thank you very much john you got it. michael hurley and you president qp ontario council of hospital unions thanks for listening to the john oakley show podcast be sure to rate review and subscribe for free at apple podcasts google podcasts and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio 